Hello, folks. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Lead with Soft Skills, Not Hard Skills, where we explore using the soft skills to either magnify the effects of, and obviously the positive effects <laughs> of the hard skills, or even substituting a hard skill for a soft, with a soft skill. So let's dive in. Hi folks, so lead with value, not technology. So what do I mean by this? Well, if you look at the way the world is working right now, we're all rushing to have the next newest technology working for us to make our lives more comfortable, faster, easier, more um, accessible to more resources. But we, when we allow the technology to become the message rather than being the medium in which we transmit the message, that's when we become, we start, we start leading with technology rather than with value. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me give you some examples. So today there I stumbled on a post by one of my friends who is talking about how she's noticed that a lot of customer service reps are now using their ticketing systems and the number of tickets that they're actually solving or resolving or what's called closing to a status of closed as a metric for success, but they haven't necessarily actually clarified is there actually success on that ticket, meaning have we actually satisfied the customer, which is really the only metric we need to care about. Another good example would be all these bots that are for things like Facebook Messenger as well as other messaging apps like on Intercom or other chat apps that are, exist on people's websites. So more often than not, what I'll find is that I'll go in, try and use the chat because obviously it's after hours and so they have their automated bot come up on their website when I've landed on their website and it says, hi, how are you? You know, what are you, what can I help you with? And what you find is that you, you reach the end of what the bot has been taught to ask and answer questions for very, very quickly and then you're at a loss to actually get the answer that you wanted. And then sometimes if the company really knows what they're doing, they'll actually have um, an email address where you can send your information to or you can submit your email address to the chat bot and they will get back to you. 
And I'm not even saying that this is necessarily bad. I think it's great that you have the chat there and maybe it is resolving a few different issues for a few different people. But I think that we need to be careful about how we're using these during regular hours when we can actually be talking to the customer in real time and asking ourselves, is it really the best thing to be sort of, you know, quote unquote, filtering people through a chat bot before we actually talk to them. Another example, I'm just trying to think of one more example. It's um, another example. I guess another good example would be this machine learning as far as our preferences are concerned. So I think this is a great thing, you know, obviously Netflix uses it and they do very, very well with it. Just one moment, a glass of sip of water here. They do very, very well with it. Obviously it shows you what they believe to be your next ideal show or movie to watch. But I think the reason that I would I stress some caution around using this is that I think it's very easy to fall into this trap of allowing the AI be the leader rather than us guiding it as far as what we want to get from it as far as data and then what do we actually do with that data and in terms of like how can we actually take action on the data as real human beings once we've got the data in our hands and how can we actually improve the experience for the customer how can we maybe connect with the customer more deeply because we've gotten that data rather than it just being a feedback loop within the system so those are three great examples of where we're kind of allowing ourselves to get so comfortable with the technology doing the work for us that we're starting to allow it to lead for us rather than actually leading with value of what does the customer actually want. So by now you're either thinking, oh yeah, Adam's totally right, or Adam, you are a totally crazy person. So let me address both those points of view right now by saying I'm not saying technology is bad. Like I said in the intro, what I think that we need to really look at is how are we using the technology? Are we allowing it to do our work for us? Or are we allowing it to deliver a message for us? that is actually valuable to the customer because we know it's going to be valuable to the customer because we've already validated that it's valuable to the customer. So are we doing the validation before we're sending the message or are we allowing the machine to decide what message to send? That's really the question that I'm posing here that for you to consider. So now I wanted to give you a few examples of where we're actually 
I have seen companies using technology in a really, really highly effective way that adds value to the customer and really demonstrates the use of technology to deliver a message but not be the one generating the message. So first example is surveys with negative feedback prompting some sort of communication with that customer. So obviously, yeah, there, there's a lot of data privacy issues around this. So obviously if you're not getting surveys from actual customers whose data you have and you have permission to contact, then, you know, it sort of limits the amount of scope that you can actually do with this. But if you do actually have customers and you're reaching out to them with surveys and you have their permission to reach out to them, then adding in some sort of feature like this to your system, whether it be your ticketing system for CSRs or maybe it's your system that you use for product owners in generating new software, whatever it may be, where you're getting feedback from a customer and you get a negative feedback, that's one that you wanna follow up on. The positive feedback's always great, but it's the negative feedback that you really wanna dive into and ask why, what is it that really happened here? Because of course you can never truly capture what really happened in a very impersonal survey. Technology, a second example, um, technology like chatbots allowing CSRs to focus on the unsolved mysteries that a bot cannot take on. So like that example I was telling you about before where it's like you go through the process of answering the bot's questions and then finding out, oh, the bot can't answer my question. That's an example of where it needs to then trigger somehow an actual real person reaching out to that customer and ideally instead of that person having to enter their email and you know get a call back or get an email back you know remove the email aspect of it and let's get people on the telephone let's actually talk to real people just like we used to back in the 90s and back in the 2000s when I was doing customer service. The last example that I want to share with you, which I haven't necessarily seen, but I'm sure that it must be getting done or it will likely be in the works, is for product teams. So product teams are always using some sort of backlog to not only store the uh, stories that they can't necessarily work on right now, but they're also using some sort of, maybe they don't call it a sprint backlog, but something that shows what they actually have in progress. And it would be great if AI could actually detect when an actual product owner or somebody who can actually communicate with the customer effectively needs to go and talk to the customer and validate or verify something. So it actually creates a red flag on that story when this happens. Because 
what I hear about a lot, uh, and even when I was working in one of the technology co when I was working at a technology company, I would see this a lot in that there would be this sense of let's just try and figure out what the best solution is rather than picking up the phone and let's talk to a real customer and find out what did they think because at the end of the day it's the customer's opinion that wins over everything rpa uh, performing tasks so this is fourth and last example like copying data so if data has to be copied from one system and put into another this is a very common thing that rpa which stands for robotic process automation is doing for a lot of companies with this like legacy software which basically is just a big word for software that is housed on their hard drives and therefore not necessarily accessed by the cloud but even more importantly is not something that can actually integrate with other pieces of software because it's that old that there is no API um, that can be built for the software to connect it to the other piece of software where you have to copy the information from. So this is where RPA has come in really really handy for companies is now instead of that customer service rep or whoever it is I mean, you actually go in and copy you know the address field from here over to this other place and then you know the after the address field they have to copy the invoice number and the um, total amount or whatever it is they're not having to do that anymore they press one button and sometimes these tasks can actually be generated and run automatically without any human interaction and what this does is it allows that person to then be freed up to be able to actually do tasks that are more important whether it be thought process thought innovation or projects or actually interacting with customers so what i'm really trying to say here is that we want to use technology to allow us to have more time to be able to actually add more value to the customer or do what's called value-added tasks. And a value-added task is real simple. It's if you went to the customer and you asked them would they be willing to pay for it and they say yes. If they say no, then it's either waste or it's what's called a non-value-added. And non-value-added tasks are usually things like business value that maybe the business has to do. So for example, last year, a lot of businesses would have had to change their email policies and procedures uh, to abide by GDPR. That would have been a non-value-add because basically the customer doesn't want to have to pay for all of that, but it has to be done. Now a waste, that would be a task where the customer's not getting any value out of it and the business is not getting any value out of it either. So an example of this would be the rejection on a chatbot. So if the chatbot comes back to the customer and says, oh yeah, well, we, I can't actually answer that. That's a waste because it's not 
adding any value to the customer, that's for sure. They don't want to pay for a response of, I can't help you. It's not adding any value to the business either, other than just to say, oh, you know, you know, actually give the customer some sort of answer, but it's not improving the business anyway. So therefore, it's complete waste. So, um, what I wanted to get out, I wanted you to get out of this podcast was to really think about how are you using technology to create value-added tasks that allow you more time with the customer to create more added value tasks so that you're actually, I wouldn't say, you're probably more than doubling the value-added tasks that customers are willing to pay for and therefore making your business more valuable. Well, that was another episode of Lead with Soft Skills, Not Hard Skills. We are out for this month and we'll be back next month. So I hope you'll join us. Thank you very much for joining us and have an amazing day. Now go out and pursue that potential. Biz Analyst Potential to Biz Analyst Career. This has been Adam Hessler from Being a Biz Analyst. Thank you.